here and I know that's so fucking cheesy <laughs> started like that. Need to open the episode. I like yo 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 bum rush the show or something like that but you know fuck it maybe I should just start again. Yeah, <laughs> What's that. the point? Might as well just commit to it now. Oh is there someone on the chat? No. What am I even Yasmin? I'm sorry guys Yasmin's going to well I don't know where she is and this is her topic. So it's just me and Mark so far. Yeah, she might appear. Stuff that Yaz likes. <laughs> oh, she's okay. Yeah, I always worry when she doesn't reply. Like, hope to, it's not ironic. And she's she actually given the talk we're looking at this week. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, but I didn't really want to like manifest it. I mean, <laughs> if she had like vanished circumstances, then we could be like on TV being like, okay. and it's so weird because she asked us to research murders. Yeah. That it happened under mysterious circumstances. And then what if she'd set us up, like Gone Girl or something? Why would she do that? She's stuck in this, whatever the so main character like... Gone Girl's called. I mean, she's not. She's probably. <laughs> we're taking... She's hardly to fake her own death and punish someone out of the three of us. I could imagine both of us doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we were on television and we're like, uh... No, we, we, we don't know anything about it. Like, we just talk about these things. We don't actually do anything. <laughs> How scary would that be if podcasts were, like, taken as evidence in court because of the stuff you said, but they were just jokes? I feel like they could be, though, couldn't they? I mean... Uh, the state of the justice system these days, I wouldn't be surprised. Just everything would be based around podcasts. At one point, you said that you killed someone with a club. Yeah, it was a D&D podcast. Doesn't matter. Deal! <laughs> You said you banged Satan, is that true? Yes. You must be in satanic cult. Oh, we've been over this anyway. Right, so what's the topic this week? It was Jasmine's topic, which she happened to mention last week, which was people who got away with murder or mess around murders. murders. Yeah, mysterious like murders. Mysterious yeah. Murders. Mysterious murders. I don't know why I keep saying tiny generals <laughs> today, but I'm just going to keep doing that. Yeah, <laughs> just, you know, it's a, it's a dark topic. We may as well try and lighten it up a little bit. Jolly yes. jingles and sing songs. Woohoo! I feel like, Bible uh, job. like not uh, that we give bigger warnings because, like, if you're offended by stuff, cool, knock yourself out. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like obviously some of the stuff we're looking at probably is more disturbing than the things we normally look at. Like, one yeah. of the ones I looked at, the guy was killed, what, like four years ago? So I don't know why I laughed when I said that. Yeah, I mean, I find it disturbing that there are some serial killers that are still out there that haven't been caught, but they know of there potentially is one out there because they've found the victims. And as recently as 2016, there was one that, yes, it's on the list. Do you think it's Yaz and that's why she's not here? 
Let's feed for all our serial killings. She's got a box of uh, human eyes in her cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a shame. She's not here to defend herself. <laughs> she's not here to defend herself. Because she's in jail. Because she killed all those men. No, she's not in jail because she's not been caught yet. So we don't know. She's on the lam. In her nutty room. Right. Right well. Right well. Down the well. There's people down the well. What are you going to talk about, Mark? You mentioned John. What's her? How do you say her name? John Bonet? That's intrigued me. Okay, so one of the ones that, yeah, like that I said to you that I was thinking about doing. Not because of the murder itself, which to be fair is also like mysterious and nobody knows who killed her, but because of the the weird like urban myth, urban rumour, I don't really know what to call it, that I'd heard about it. So yeah, it was the John Benet Ramsey murder. Also kind of wanted to do it because, was that maybe what, about a year and a bit ago? Like all the kids I saw, all the kids all over the country, lots of young people were totally obsessed with the Madeleine McCann murder. It was like a couple really? of months oh was that because of the documentary that was on i literally just watched the first episode of that and thought what's the point nobody knows and then switched off no it was it was prior to the documentary but i agree with you as well like loan to the kids because they were obsessed with it we're like oh sorry you need to watch the documentary which is like eight episodes long and i watched Mm. the first one it was Mm. it didn't really contain any real information it was just them weirdly alluding to the idea that her parents might have killed her with literally no evidence whatsoever and i was like i can't really be fucked with this like yeah. A slanderous TV program. Yeah, I was and totally over it. Slander John Benet's family. So yeah, but when I was saying that to my mom, she was like, Oh, but remember when you were younger and like everyone your age was like obsessed with the John Benet killing? And I was like, Oh yeah, so we were. I forgot about I don't that. I think I was also I think more it was more about the you know, the wee guy Jamie Bulger, that wee poor poor yeah, toddler. I was awful. But the John Benet I didn't really know much about it, except that she was like a little beauty queen, and so, I, I didn't really know much about it at all, so I missed that boat, obviously. Born in 1990, her dad, John Ramsey, was a, a multi-millionaire, I think possibly a billionaire, like he was extraordinarily rich, or is extraordinarily rich, he's still alive, and her mum, Patsy, was a former beauty queen, and basically from when she was about two, they started entering, entering her in beauty pattern. Just so good um, the mentality of that. Is it no. because of the mum? Does she just wants to relive her beauty um, days, or she just wants to show off her child to say, "Look what I have produced—a beautiful child." I mean, I don't like. I honestly don't get it. It's like, why would you? I, I just, I, I don't understand. Like, you want to be like your. It's so like, fucking disturbing. Like, yeah, it's so. Like the makeup and the big hair, and they look like wee dolls, and it's so sexualized. It's just fucking like weird. Like, and it's always sunny when he's like, I ain't diddling no kids and stuff. I mean, yeah, that's what, I don't understand, like, what is the the purpose of these pageants? It's like there's the um, documentary that's out on Netflix just now that there's been a lot of uproar about because apparently it's sexualising kids, but not that oh, I've watched yeah, it. Yeah. It's actually, like, the producers made it to highlight why beauty pageants are wrong so they're basically saying we shouldn't be sexualizing kids but then weirdly loads of people have then seen the documentary and instead of saying pageants are wrong we've said the documentary's wrong wrong because it's shot in a way that sexualizes children whereas it's not really it's just showing you what kids pageants are like like they do 
sexualised kids. It's bloody because Netflix marketed it in a way that sexualised them because <laughs> he had them all bent over and like took it totally out of context. So you, if I you mean, were like a pedo, you would be drawn to that shit. It's maybe not amazing to market it, to be fair. They're um, it nonce flicks. <laughs> so, John Bonet was, well, right, so, I mean, there's just so much weird history about it. So, she went, she was reported missing on Christmas Eve 1996. The way in which she was reported missing was in itself weird. So, her mum, Patsy Ramsey, phoned the police and, like, was shouting someone, I mean, it's like, I think you can listen to the 911 phone call online and it's just very like she's not I feel like normal 911 phone calls like that either the parent will be really uber calm which they sometimes get Mm. sort of used against them in court but they're uber calm because they're in shock or they're like sounding actually terrified whereas she just sounds like she's putting on like fake screaming she also doesn't say like she can't find her daughter she says something along the lines of like she's been taken they have killed her which is weird because when the police show up at her house, they then apparently don't know what's happened to her. So they don't know she's been taken, nor do they know she's dead, apparently. The police start searching for her. They can't find her, but they've got, like, their mansion is huge. Like, they're uber, uber, uber rich. So they eventually find a note that was left, and it's a ransom note, and it says that they want, I can't remember the exact amount, but it's really specific. Like, they've kidnapped her, and the ra- the kidnappers would are requesting like eight it's eighteen thousand something so it's like eighteen thousand seven hundred and thirty six dollars something really weirdly specific the ransom letter is also three a4 pages long it's written in one of the parents notepads with one of the parents pens and just left in the house after everything had happened there's like handwriting analysis experts that look at it Although this is fairly inconclusive because there's handwriting analysis experts that look at it and say it's an exact match to the mum, Patsy Ramsey, trying to disguise her writing. But then there's also handwriting experts that look at it that say it's an exact match to the dad, John Ramsey, trying to disguise his writing. And then there's other handwriting experts that look at it and say it's not a match for either of them. So basically, it's fairly inconclusive. Didn't they Um, think it was her brother that did it? Yeah, so there's... Well, so when they find her, right... Mm -hmm. Well, the police don't find her, so they search all over the mansion, can't find her anywhere, and then the dad keeps screaming that he wants to look for her, and they're saying that he can't because it would contaminate the scene, but then because they can't find her anywhere and there's a broken window in the basement, they assume that someone's abducted her and taken her out the window. So, like, basically in order to help him calm down, they tell him he can look. He looks for under 10 minutes and opens a secret passageway in the basement that's, like, built into the house because it's an old mansion, that leads to it's uh like wine like a hidden wine cellar and she's in the hidden wine cellar her head has been so she's been killed by blunt no sorry they find when they check it afterwards that she's been stunned by blunt force trauma to the head and then strangled after that and that was the cause of her death mm-hmm. she also has everything over her mouth when he finds her it's obviously although i understand if he didn't know anything about what had happened maybe he was too hysterical to suggest to them to search in the secret room and then weirdly makes a beeline for the secret room. But I suppose yeah, it's a bit odd. It's odd, but... So, there's, well, four. I'll come on to the fourth one, which is the one I've already said to you, which is completely deranged, but... <laughs> I love it, though. Believable theories about what happened to her. So, there's theory one, which is that the dad, John, killed her. 
Now, the reason behind that is, and this is really horrific, is that part of the autopsy also showed that she had been subjected to ongoing sexual and physical abuse throughout her life. So, Wait, how old was she when she died? Six. Oh. Yeah. Okay. To be honest, that seems like the most likely thing. And be, like that was floated in court. The mum and dad were indicted for uh, child abuse and murder. But again, the dad is a multi-millionaire, so nothing ever yeah. came of that. Um, yeah. Like literally nothing at all ever came of it. I don't think they even had to appear in front of the judge. I think the judge threw it out, which is all very suspicious because, again, it's horrific because it is clearly something had gone on there. Like there was prolonged signs of sexual and physical abuse. So. I mean, it's a bit convenient if he's really rich then to blame it on someone who's trying to extort them for their money. Yeah. By using a phony ransom note. It's a bit pathetic. About the amount, whatever it was, the 18,700 and something, something. Um, So he had been awarded a bonus from his work for basically he'd like sort of come in and help them create a whole lot of extra money. So on top of the amount they could be to pay him, they gave him a bonus of 18,000, whatever, whatever. So it was that exact amount of money. So yeah, it all seems very suspicious. People mm. who were guilty also pointed out that just the length of the ransom note was really weird. Like there's never been a ransom note of that length. Yeah, I mean, you would be in a hurry. You wouldn't take the time to write that long a ransom note yeah. unless you lived in that place and you've got time to do it. And then the way it was like the ransom You're not note, left, so they clearly like if you know what I mean, they hadn't brought yeah. it with them, so they clearly written it when they were there, if there was anyone there. And it seemed odd that why would they have smashed the basement window, came in through there, abducted her from her room, murdered her in her a hidden room, locked the hidden room, and then left back out the window, but presumably mm. stopped that, mm. went up two floors wrote a three-page note in a parent's notebook and then left. That sounds fucking batshit crazy. It doesn't make any sense at all. So, yeah, the parent's <laughs> revenge just uh, is insane. So the most likely, the one I believe is that, obviously, the dad was in some way involved in her murder. There's the one that you mentioned. So some people think that her older brother, who was 10 at the time of her death, might have... So the suggestion is actually that he killed her. There's people that believe that her older brother before had been in trouble with like social work basically because he had assaulted her with a golf club oh yeah i remember that i think when she was about four or five yeah so people believe that maybe the blood force trauma to her head was from a golf club and then that patsy although i don't think patsy the mum had anything to do with it but that patsy had then tried to hide the body to protect her son thinking she was dead but then realizing she wasn't dead had sellotaped her mouth shut and strangled her but i just don't yeah, I don't see why you would do that. You would take her to the hospital, for fuck's sake, and then the make up some excuse. The after it as well. So, again, it seems, I think it seems more likely that he was, that it was the dad mm. and that he mm. kind of disseminated the information that it was the mum. Um, she, again, her, her phone call seems weird, but I don't know that, for me, there's not really much that points towards her being guilty. The third one is that a paedophile called John Mark Carr killed her. Now, he actually stated that he had killed her. However, there was no evidence that he was in the area at the time. Actually, it seems that he was in Thailand at the time. And he was awaiting, or he was about to be, and was aware of the fact that he was about to be arrested in Thailand because they were building a case against him for multiple child sexual abuse like allegations there. Was he friends with Gary Glitter? (laughs) 
I mean, he, yeah, he basically was doing what Gary Glitter was doing, and he turned himself in to the like American consulate in Thailand and admitted that he was a paedophile and he had, like, basically he said he'd broken into Ramsey's house, he'd killed John Renee. Yeah, but it just had up with historically abusing her because he wasn't there at the time. There's also mm. not. It seems that he wasn't even there at the time she was murdered. So that one again seems unlikely. And then there's the fourth one, which is the one that I said to you that. So there's a man called Dave Johnston, although his theory I say is quite popular, is relatively popular with people who like weird conspiracy theories. That said, John Bonnie Ramsey was neither murdered nor was she kidnapped. She was hidden away from the world and is now the pop star known as Katy Perry. <laughs> he said that, so basically, John Bonnet's family, this is true, and then I'll give us other evidence, which is mental. John Bonnet's family are part of a like Christian group that Katy Perry's family are also part of. Okay, well, that's just a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, it literally is just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. So he believes that this Christian group basically worked with the police to cover up that there was no murder to make it look as though she disappeared so that they could basically go away and work on her singing career because she was already rising to it's i mean some of the issues old. with this are well she was six years old katie perry was 12 years old when she went with her what? <laughs> so I mean, yeah, like, only of his, ev- his evidence is basically, like, they look kind of alike, which they do. If you look at pictures of Katy Perry when she was six, she does look kind of like John Bonet. However, when Katy Perry was six, John Bonet was a fetus. So, <laughs> not really get the correlation there. So, yeah, that's... that's um, and the, you think the, that... Well, would Katy Perry not know that this was the case? Or is she ignorant to the fact that she was groomed to be Katy Perry? Well, I don't understand. Yeah, he's implying that she didn't know, but again, it makes no sense because, yeah, if she was six at the time, then all right, maybe you could like confuse and mislead her into not knowing that happened. But it's like Kate Perry was twelve when John Bonet went missing. You wouldn't be able to mm. commit. A, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, it maybe doesn't make any sense because he literally found a body, didn't he? So what was who yeah. was the body then? Well, he said they didn't find a body. Oh, okay. Well, because members of the police are also members of this church. Also, like, it's not a cult, it's a church. So that's like saying, like... Well, there are some sort of Christian sects in America or around the world that are kind of cult-like. Like, un- unfortunately, um, what's the guy's name? <laughs> Chris Pratt. He's sort of uh, indoctrinated himself into this weird Christian cult with his wife who basically recruited him into his, his Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. I didn't know any of this. Yeah, look it up. Like, seriously, he is a lunatic. <laughs> 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 like, I've lost all respect for him because he's basically like a Scientologist, but it's a Christian sort of cult. I need to look more into it, but honestly, it's weird. And it, it, a lot of the rich elite people are in this sort of club as well. Like this Christian club, mm. um. So he's yeah, maybe. I just feel like he's changed personality-wise, like to conform to this this church group. But there were stories about it. But I'll bring it up later, maybe in a, a later podcast when I've done more research on it, if I can remember. Uh, so poor John Binney. Yeah, I mean, it's she obviously had a 
horrific life and a horrific death. Like it's really and, it, and then to have her murder just, you know, like covered up as or turn into some daft conspiracy about Katy Perry is just another nail in her. Like again, clearly from the evidence. That's like, like saying that Madeline like, McCann is Billy Eilish or something. Yeah, it's I mean it is a it's just a completely insane thing to say. It makes no sense whatsoever. Again, like it is an unsolved mystery, but of the four theories, three of them don't really seem to stand up at all. Well, one of the three of them is completely insane. Well, we do know that children are capable of murder because of the Jamie Bulger case when they were only like, what, were they one of them? No, they were 10-year-olds, same as the same age as the brother. Were they 9 and 10? I don't think it was the brother, though. I do think it was the dad. I just think because of the evidence of like historic sexual and physical abuse, it could only really have been the dad, couldn't it? Like, yeah. for millionaires, yeah, she's not other people. It couldn't have been the brother because at 10, he wouldn't have been doing anything like that. Like, yeah, you're right, he might have injured her in some way, but he wouldn't have been sexually abusing her at the age of 10. And also because it was historic, it would have been going on since she was about three or four at least. So he wouldn't have been doing it when he was seven or eight. It's just God. all the evidence points towards it being the dad. Why did they not find forensic evidence? It seems like it's very, very sloppy work from the police. If it was the body was right there, I mean, at least in like with Madeline McCann, you don't know where the fuck she is. There's no body, and now they're coming out with this theory that there's this guy, this paedophile that's in a conveniently in a German jail somewhere that he might have done it. Sometimes I think they just want to come up with these things just to try and get some closure, like then you make up rumours and stupid conspiracy theories just to make sense of weird shit. I think with the John Bonet one as well, it's very like the whole Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein thing. It's just like, because you would think, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would the judge throw it out of court? Yeah, it must be the police's fault. They must not have gathered evidence. But have you watched the Jeffrey Epstein documentary? Yeah, on? I watched that, yeah. So you know how you, they always interviewed the police in it and they had such a solid case against him like he was a hundred oh yeah yeah got to jail but the first time it went in front of the judge oh what's his name that absolutely like oh he had such a fucking face that he wanted to punch i can't remember his name and he threw it out and said oh there's absolutely no like this is not good enough evidence even though it was the clearest evidence in the world so wasn't he a senator or something yeah he was i can't remember his name but yeah he was made a senator but I just think in that age, it must have been something similar to that because... And then the, they let him out and they let him go yeah. and actual access to computers and stuff when he well, was same supposed to be on... The same case, like, if the police have said that they put forward really clear evidence that it was the dad and then it went to this judge and then never, ever, ever actually went to court, he just threw it out immediately and said, well, there's no evidence whatsoever. And it's like, well, that's quite suspicious. Police about this case and you won't even have a hearing in court for a multi-millionaire like that suspect just goes to show if you've got shitloads of money i mean you could you could be a billionaire and and kill as many people as you want technically and then but then jeffrey epstein epstein wasn't out convicted either he was just conveniently suicided i don't believe he committed suicide at all someone else who's got something to hide had him killed yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
So that's another whole rabbit hole we could go down. But I want to talk about our very own mysterious serial killer here in Scotland by the name of Bible John. And potentially, yeah, Bible John, man. He is a mysterious guy that hung around like the dance halls in Glasgow in the sort of the late 60s. Primarily, it was Barrowlands, which is now like a famous place for like concerts and gigs. But back in the 60s, it was just, you know, what it was built for. It was a, a ballroom, like the dancing, basically. And technically, he's never been found, but there is a theory about who he could be do you know who we're talking about here mark or I, are you not you sure who we're talking about like um both i know of bible john my gran she was a bit of a, a murder mystery Don't. um she was, to say something else i will like uh, gran on slappers which i feel like you might have been there when she said this it was one of my favorite things she ever said where I was talking about people her age, like when we were younger, calling people our girls our age slags, and she said <laughs> there was just as as many girls that loved sex when I was your age as there are now. So either no one slag or everyone's always been a slag, which I feel is wise words. But on top of having wise words about feminism, she was also yeah, she was always really interesting, like murder mysteries and stuff. And she used to talk about the Bible John case because obviously, well, her and my granddad. Um, they like, met at the Battlelands, obviously oh. before this all happened. But I think like it would have been something that would have caught her interest. And I know, I think I know who you mean about the the sort of prime suspect, which would be I would buy into that. But yeah, go go <laughs> go, Leslie, tell us. Bible John. They don't know when he was born because they've never caught this guy. His characteristics for his murders were rape, beating obviously murder he only had three victims that they know knew of at that point in time and the date of the murders were from february 22nd 1968 to october 31st 1969 and like you said my gran could have came across or might have um, walked past them or whatever like, yeah. i bet a lot of people might have claimed to have encountered bible john after the fact that you know he was known nobody actually knows his name the only reason why he was called bible john is because one of the only witnesses to have ever encountered him was one of the victim's sister and she and her sister got into a taxi with another guy john that she'd winched winched being like you've pulled someone at the dancing you know um and he was drawn from castle milk and then the other guy was this bible john but the reason why she called him that is because when they were in the taxi he would mention things about like the old testament and he would start talking about like quoting things from the bible and normal he was quite huh i said normal pulling chat yeah i know it's a bit strange so you'd think that that would maybe think well maybe i shouldn't be in a taxi with this guy but they might have had a few drinks you know a few swallies and she's too busy trying to like get off with john from castle milk to really care so it was helen puttock was one of the victims it was one of his last victims and she was 29 and it was her sister that encountered bible john now she described him as having like a thin build sharp features teeth that sort of were a bit crooked at the front that overlapped and that he had short red hair and that he called himself simonton i think or something like that i'll find out the name but the police think that other people described him as having 
black hair. But when you're in the Barrowlands, it'd probably be quite dark with the lights and stuff. I don't know what the lights were like back then. Whether they had like a disco ball. It was the 60s, so I don't I don't know. It might have been quite dark. So it was hard to tell. I mean, it's quite dark in there for like gigs and stuff now. Yeah. It would be any brighter back then. Plus, even if you had a few drinks and stuff, then you might not really see you might have your go your you know your beer goggles on and you might see someone differently when you're under the influence so it's hard to take that description um and use it but they did paint like a a composite of what he might look like and he does look like the guy that i'm going to mention later on who they think may be him the three victims were patricia docker who's 25 jemina mcdonald 32 to and Helen Puttock, who I mentioned. Now, all of these women were married, and at the time they would just go out because their husbands were away. Some of them were in the army and worked in England and stuff, and they would just, you know, they're probably bored at home with the kids and that, so they think, well, fuck it, I'll just go out. And the first victim who was Patricia Docker, she decided to go to the Barrel at, no, she decided to go to a different club, probably the Locarno or something. And then she decided to go to the Barrowlands afterwards because we used to do that a lot. We used to go in our club and think, ah, sack this, we'll go somewhere yeah. else. Um, but the reason why she went to the Barrowlands is because um, that on a Thursday in those days, the Barrowlands had like a secret kind of over 25s night, a bit like Sinatra's and East Kilbride. <laughs> you remember that shithole? <laughs> <laughs> Where all the younger people would go to like the the bigger club and then the sort of over... Was it over 25s only in Sinatra's? We'd go and listen to the kind of older music. And then it would be all the the kind of... But then in downtown or centre point, did you ever go in it? It used to be like they would play the same tunes over and over again. It would get a bit boring. So everyone ended up going to Sinatra's anyway. And I think people who were under 25 would have preferred to go to Sinatra's. But anyway, I'm on a tangent now. So she went to the Barrowlands and she had her wedding ring and stuff. And she just... People would just go there, like often married people, the over 25s, to just, you know, have a bit of a a wee cheeky fling and just, you know, to go on the pool and get off with someone. So that's what she did. And then, so Patricia Docker, she was 25. She was found in a lane by a man on his way to work on February 23rd, 1968. She was only metres away from her home. A night before she told her parents she was going to dance at the Majestic Ballroom, which was in Hope Street. But then, like I said, she went to the Barrowland Ballroom instead. So at one point during the night, she encountered this Bible John guy. <laughs> I think she danced with him for quite a while. Like she, she had like what she probably had the time of her fucking life thinking of my I pulled this really hot guy. And then I think they walked out together. And then at some point between them walking out and her on her way home, this guy just decided to basically rape her, strangle her. Some people said that they, they were strangled with their own stockings or their tights. But I think that's the Boston Strangler that did that. But then some people said that Bible John did this as well. And what links all the victims is that they were all menstruating. They were all in their period at the time because one of them was found with a, like a sanitary towel under her arm he'd taken like her bag and her clothes and um, some of them were i think i don't think they were totally naked when they were found it was just like partially so the next victim was called jemina mcdonald she was 32 and a mother of three children 
she'd go into the Barrowland Ballroom on Friday the 15th of August 1969. The next day, her sister Margaret had heard children talking about a body they had seen in an old building. But at first, they didn't pay too much attention. But by Monday, with no sign of her sister, Margaret decided to investigate the rumours. She'd heard from the children inside the building. She found the fully clothed body of her sister, Jemina. And her autopsy also showed she'd been raped, beaten and strangled. Witnesses came forward saying that they had seen Jemina leaving the Barrowland around midnight that Friday with a young man who was slim, tall and had red hair. Further investigations uncovered a witness who claimed she had heard screaming coming from the old building the night Jemima was killed, but she was unable to say what time she'd heard it, so the police didn't consider it important. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I think when these witnesses come out and claim they've heard heard this, it all comes out after the fact. And I feel like that they're just saying this to get in with the media or something like that. Like, speak to someone. Yeah. And then the third victim was Helen Puttuck. She was found in her own back garden on Halloween, October 31st in 1969. Late thereafter, she'd also attended the Barrowland Ballroom on the night she was killed, along with her sister Jean, who I mentioned earlier. They'd met two men there, one of whom was John from Castle Milk. The other man didn't disclose who he was or where he was from. When they left the ballroom, John went off to catch the bus. And the other man joined Helen and Jean in getting a taxi. All right, so the guy from Castle Milk didn't get in the taxi with him. He just fucked off on a bus. But then there's no mention of this guy, like, describing the other guy, like yeah. the Bible John guy. Like, I've looked into this and nobody's been able to locate this guy from Castle Milk and ask him, you know, like, what happened? Can you remember yeah. anything about what this guy did or what he was like? But then maybe he didn't really know much because he was too busy with the other, like, with the sister and stuff. He didn't, it probably didn't want, wasn't interested in talking to the Bible John guy. They went off of him in a taxi. According to Jean, the man was very well spoken and liked to quote from the Bible, which is why the killer ended up being called Bible John. And I think I've got more information on their conversation. So I was just looking for it. I found an article in Vice about it. And there's more information about what he said. So they said he was handsome. He had sharp featured um, face with two slightly overwrapping front teeth. He said his accent was quite clipped. It had middle class inflections. Jeannie later reported the saying that he wasn't the Barrowland's type. Many of those who used to go were kind of rough or drunk, but he was nice, polite and well-spoken, which is kind of like a serial killer trope. Because a lot of them are, like Ted Bundy was quite nice looking, well-spoken, they're often charming. So when they were in the taxi, yeah, this is what he was talking about. This is why he's called Bible John, because... Helen's John spoke of adulterous women and the age-old dictating violence of Celtic and Rangers, which, if, okay, to be fair, in Glasgow, that might have been, like, a common topic at the yeah, time. Yeah, like, things like you pull any random and they'll talk about Celtic Rangers sectarianism. Yeah, it would like, me off. But, <laughs> yeah, so she said to lighten things, Jeannie asked what he did for Hugmanay, but he said he didn't drink, he prayed. Things ran on, on, and for some reason, they started talking about foster children. So John mentioned they were all right, citing Moses as an example of being a foster child. Uh, The Old Testament allusions gave Jeannie an odd feeling. John insisted that Jeannie was dropped off first, 
to her house in Yoker before retreating back to Helen's in Scotston in the West End. And then later on, Helen was found yards from her home at 129 Earl Street the next morning. The same wounds, the same method, only this time with a sanitary towel tucked under her arm and traces of semen were left on her tights and a bite mark, it sounds like Bundy as well, was imprinted on her body. And there was evidence of a struggle because she had like grass, like her feet were stained green underneath. So it was like she ran away from him. She must have kicked her shoes off because, you know, women wear high heels. It's not a very practical way of running away from a serial killer. So you would have to take them off to get a good run away. He was obviously caught up with her and overpowered her and stuff. And that was the final, final murder. They thought he, he went, he's thought to have been, went by his Christian name, John. Oh, I don't know. But it was it it gave them some sort of name. So Bible John, that was the last of it. They never found out where he was. He just seemed to disappear after that. But later on, people tend to think that he could be Peter Tobin, who killed a Polish girl in a church. Yeah, I when remember. Was that? It was quite recent. I think it might have been about ten years ago. Yeah, twenty ten or two thousand and nine. It would have been because I remember the day that they found her body, I had to cut by the church that she was killed in to go um, right. and it was all clo- like it was all cordoned off by police and obviously didn't know why. And I had to go the other way to go to Mills and then when I got there we were watching the news and it said that, that a girl had been murdered at Angelica is it Angelica Cluck, was that her name? Yeah, that was her name. It was in two thousand and seven. Had been murdered in the church. Yeah, um, he was like a handyman in the church and he just killed this girl. I mean, she was like quite friendly with him, but he killed her and had her under the floorboards of the church and he raped her as well, apparently. So, well, I say apparently, he probably did for the evidence, but the reasons why they think it might be him is because early photos of Tobin are very similar to the identical picture of Bible John. Tobin's ex-wives all claim to have been throttled, raped and beaten by him he had been living in glasgow at the time and moved away in 1969 which is when the last murder took place of bible john which that and that is the most intriguing one of all because I, I mean that, that just seems too much of a like yeah you know i don't think that would be a coincidence he happened to leave glasgow at the same time as bible john stopped murdering people and he also moved somewhere in england i think and he murdered two other girls because he found them buried under like his garden oh yeah he built a sand pit for his son or something someone caught him digging in his garden and they said what what are you up to and he was like oh i'm just i'm just making a sand pit for my son but actually he was he was burying one of his victims he met his he used to frequent the barrel and ballroom but then so did loads of people back then yeah. tobin met his first wife at the ballroom at the same time as the murder stopped tobin had strong religious views and was a roman catholic so throws back to the conversation in taxi where they said he would mention rangers and celtic or sectarianism and tobin became enraged by women's menstrual cycle but that i don't know because how the fuck would he because murdering women for no reason is also weird but like what like what the (laughs) basically yeah but like how the fuck would he know that those women were on their periods unless they told him and i don't think women back then would say that kind of thing so i don't know i mean i feel like even when we're in a much more like you know positive feminist open society 
I still don't think someone would just randomly tell a guy that she doesn't know that she's on her period. Like, yeah. But then, yeah. how come all these victims were on their period? That's a bit weird. Yeah. How did he know? Or was that just a coincidence? That's mysterious to me. Because if if he's he hates women who why would you be enraged by a woman's menstrual cycle? I don't understand. Can can you tell me what is the mentality behind that? I don't understand why either. Yeah. I get what you mean that it makes it more like mysterious and more creepy. It's like he has some weird like sex sense. It's like yeah, how would he know that? And during the police investigations uh, Operation Anagram, a woman came forward and claimed she had met Tobin at the Barrowland in 1968 and he'd raped her. I don't know. In 2010, another woman came forward and said she'd met Tobin at the Barrowland and it was a threatening experience. He persistently tried to get her to accompany him to a party in Castle Milk, but she refused. But then there's a Castle Milk connection. Is that just a coincidence? Because the other guy, John, was from Castle Milk, so what if he was actually Bible John and the other guy wasn't? I don't know. We can all be, that wouldn't make sense because he got the bus and then the girl was murdered. So are they getting their stories mixed up? It was that Tobin's friend lived in Castle Milk, so maybe that would then add up because he was trying to get her to go to the party at the same friend's house, but really was probably going to murder her given that. Mm. But it's weird because he never tracked that guy down from Castle Milk. Yeah, that's not again as in a mysterious way. It's just like, why did the police not track him down? Like, yeah, and you'd think yeah. he would want to come forward and say something. Yeah, because he would see it in the papers about the murder, so he would literally fucking recognise the poor victim. Or was he scared of saying something in case? But I mean, fair enough. I put myself in his shoes. I would probably be scared to say something for fear that I would be cl- like suspected as the killer. You know? Yeah. Because that can happen when. She- she saw pictures of Tobin in 2010 she was certain that he was Bible John but again I think these are people that are all just trying to conveniently put pieces in place to solve the mystery and it's all too convenient to say I was Tobin after the fact when there's no real evidence for it but the shameful thing is is that um, even if they took a DNA mat like they tried they can't take DNA from Tobin to match the victims because the original samples from the crime scenes they weren't stored correctly and they deteriorated to the point where they couldn't they couldn't check it. And Helen's sister Jean, who provided the most widely accepted description of Bible John, she passed away in 2010. And it's a shame because she never really knew who killed her sister. Yeah. There's other people that they suspect were Bible John as well. No, there is. A, there's other ones. So the police were inclined to believe the description given by the bouncers. The bouncer said at the Barrowlands, they said that he was short. He was well-spoken and he had jet black hair. But they said that the... I don't know. I think that's misogyny that they'll believe the bouncers over the women back in those yeah, days. Why would you believe the yeah. bouncers over the people that had actually met him? Like, because it's like, well, you can't trust what a woman says. Yeah. <laughs> Better just listen to the men, you know, the men in authority. Because they said, oh, well, she was probably pissed, so she didn't give a, a clear description, but the bouncers wouldn't be drinking which, I don't know, I think they might have a wee sneaky, uh, a sneaky drink now and then. She'd been described, she didn't. She denied being drunk during the taxi raids and stood by her description of the man she believed attacked and killed her sister. There was a sighting of a man matching Jean's description as he got off a bus at Grey Street around 1.30am that morning. He was described as looking dishevelled and it seemed he had a scratch marks on his face. But then that could just be any cunt having a fight in Glasgow yeah. City Centre. There's plenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> 
One suspect the police considered later was John Irvin McInnes. He had served with the Scots Guards and committed suicide in 1980. In 1996, his body was exhumed so DNA testing could be carried out, but this came back as inconclusive. It's not clear why he was considered a suspect. Although the test didn't prove anything, it was deemed there was not enough other evidence to pin the murders on McInnes. I don't know why they thought it was him, though. Yeah, that's weird as well. Why would they just pick a random guy and be like, oh, it was probably him for no reason at all when he's not a criminal? Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. No, there's nothing else, really. I think they said in 2004, a DNA sample taken from a minor crime scene came back as an 80% match to the sample obtained from Bible John's murders. This led police to consider the person responsible for the murders was most likely related to the man charged with the minor crime. However, nothing further has come from this angle. But what I find intriguing about this whole thing is what if it isn't Peter Tobin? And, okay, in all likelihood, it's like a lot of um, time has gone by that this guy could be dead, could very well be dead by now, so nobody will ever know, a bit like Jack the Ripper and all that stuff. But he could still be out there. He could be someone's grandpa. He could. I mean, I think it probably is Peter Tobin, even the thing they're talking about in match, like 80% is actually quite low in a DNA match. Like, it's not really a match at all, is it? Not really. I think I think for the reason that you said, that he was involved in violent behaviours before he came to Glasgow. He came to Glasgow exactly when all the attacks happened. He left exactly when all it stopped. And then mm. he was involved yeah. in other murders that were women killed in exactly the same way. Like, it does all seem to... It just makes sense that it would have been him. Yeah, I suppose. And plus he was in a church at the time, so that links him there. It all seems too con- very convenient. But is it too convenient? I don't know. I, I think I am inclined to believe it's Tobin, but because there's no actual evidence, like concrete evidence to link him with those murders, I can't say for sure. And, and maybe it's just all too easy to say, all right, well, it is him then. And... I suppose it's with the other case that the police will want it to be him because then they've solved the case, whether it is him or not. Mm. It's like try to link that guy in Germany to Madeleine McCann's murder because it's just too... It's like, well, fuck it. We've got someone now. We need to pin someone to it because we can't figure out how else it happened. But where are they getting that from? Unless there's absolutely no... Like, 100% no reason of a doubt that that's the person who did it then I'm not buying it until that evidence comes up and sometimes it never does so you never know so yeah Bible John and what other Scottish um, serial killers we've got we've got Peter Manuel and Dennis Nelson who may I say David Tennant playing David um, Dennis Nelson I don't know if you've seen it it's, no, I didn't know it was out yet. I knew they were making yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, get no, it's out. It was. It, there's two episodes. I think all the there's three episodes, but I think they're all available to watch. I watched the first episode yesterday, and Dennis Nelson is some fucking creepy psychopathic narcissist. He killed. He claims to have killed seventeen men, or no, fifteen. But the press said he killed seventeen, but he insisted it was it was fifteen. And he just he just can like when they caught him. Because he found like human remains down his drain. Because he lived in a top floor flat, so what else was he supposed to do to dispose of the bodies? He had to boil them and then put them down the drain. And then someone complained, and the, the guy came to check the drains, and that's when he called in the police. And he came home from his work at the job centre, and he, as soon as they told him 
well, we found human remains. He just confessed all of it. But he wanted to check what the news were reporting about him. So he's such a narcissist. Like, I think it was all about the attention. Plus, he was yeah, obsessed with death. But, yeah, David Tennant is amazing as him. I highly recommend you watch it. But, yeah, he hailed from Scotland. But he lived in London. So that's three notorious serial killers <laughs> from Scotland. <laughs> Not that I'm, like, proud of that or anything. Yeah, you do sound quite proud of it. <laughs> I'm a little bit. <laughs> One of the best things Scotland has going for it. As we've got three famous serial killers. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. Bible John, what do you think? Do you think that's it's Tobin? An interesting one. Like I I do I do think it was Peter Tobin, but I totally get what you're saying that like we can't actually know that for sure. So <laughs> what is still exactly what Yaz asked us to tell her about. But but then yeah. this yeah. it is definitely a mystery. Tobin had previous homes in Margate and Bathgate and that revealed the remains of Vicky Hamilton and Dynamite Nickel, and they were vulnerable young women. But then his 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 method of killing sort of like changes because he because Bible John left those women out in the open to be found, whereas Tobin buried his victims or hid them away. That doesn't match with with um, Bible John's modus operandi. He wanted those women to be found on display. It's almost in a shameful way because they were menstruating as well. So. Like, how does that explain like the little trophy that he put under her arm with the I suppose sanitary pad? All the like a, a ritual. Like they do always say that they follow the same patterns, don't they? So yeah, get it's not it's not the same pattern. I don't think it is Tobin. I've changed my mind. I don't think it is him. I think it's just a coincidence that he moved in 1969 and people were just trying to make the pieces fit. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is someone who's listening's granddad. Could be. Terrifying. That's the thing. How many people out there are killers and you don't know about it? There's there's loads of like victims that people have been uh, found. I think they only just recently um, arrested the Golden State Killer. I don't know much about that, but then there was BTK, which means bind, torture, kill, and he murdered loads of people in like the 70s, then some some in the 80s, and then he just sort of stopped for a long while. But he would just taunt the police by leaving stupid notes in the library and stuff like that. And the only way he was caught, which was quite, I think it was in the 90s or something, that he got, he got um, caught, or even in the 2000s maybe. The only way, reason he got caught is because he sent like a, a disc from a computer. I think it was a floppy disc, so maybe that ages it. And that's how they managed to trace it to where it was like, I don't know, recorded or something or the information was copied onto and it was connected to a library account with the name Dennis Raider and that's how they found him because he was a bit of a stupid guy didn't think that he could be traced the Golden State Killer bit though that brings up something that makes me now go back to thinking that it is um, Peter Tobin because (laughs) when they you're right it was like really recently they found out who he was but he was actually three different serial killers so there was the Golden State Killer, the East Area Rapist, and I can't remember the third one, but all of them had slightly different, like the way that they treated the victims or left the victims' bodies were all slightly different, but other than that, they were very, very similar killers. And then when they caught him, it turned out that he was actually all three serial killers, and it was just that the slight variance in what he'd done in different periods mm. of time. I've got to believe that. I think they thought the East Area Rapist was completely separate and then they had the Golden State Killer. And then I can't remember the third one, the Sutton Hills Killer, I think, who they thought was like a copycat of the Golden State Killer. 
but then that's they eventually turned out he's all three. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if like serial killers consciously study previous serial killers and then try and change their methods based on that so that they don't get caught or do they want to get caught eventually? I don't know. I'd love yeah. to be able to understand the mind of a serial killer. Many people have tried to study it, but I don't think anyone would truly know what makes someone do that. No, I think it's you always... be a serial killer to understand a serial killer. Like, I don't think it's anything we could ever get our head around. Right, well, what else were we going to talk about? I can't remember. Did you have another one? I did have another one. So um, one of the other ones I looked at was um, Mike Mon or... It's, yeah. it's a mystery whether it's a murder or not. So it's Mike Monshot. I don't know if you've heard of him. No, I, I really want to hear all about it. So Mike went on, he's German, um, and him and his girlfriend, when he was 17, uh, went on holidays. This was in 2016. Um, so the two of them went on holidays together for a fortnight, but he was actually away for a month. Uh, they were in Malta. So the first two weeks were fine and lovely, and they had a very good time, and his girlfriend flew back. Um, she had uni to go to, I think, and he stayed out there for another two weeks. He was going to go and like sort of explore, but he kept in contact with her and his family when he was out there. And then four days before he was supposed to fly back, he messaged his dad at uh, half past ten in the morning to say that he was um, basically going out on a cycle. So he went and he hired a mountain bike, and then that was the last anyone heard of him. He didn't, basically, his dad couldn't get in contact with him. He didn't come home. His mum and sister had kind of worked on the assumption that he lost his phone or something happened to his phone had been broken. So they went to the airport to collect him, but the dad was already really worried. He didn't show up at the airport. And then the day after he was supposed to come back, so five days after anyone had heard from him, his dad contacted the police in Germany and in Malta to report him missing. And it turned out when he did this that there was already a missing person report out for him, which he was confused by at first, but then he realised that the hotel that Mike was staying in had reported him missing. The same day that his dad had got the contact for him at half ten in the morning, so they reported him missing, I think, three days later, but they'd said that obviously he'd left the hotel in the morning and hadn't come back. So... The police had started looking for him on the right. So that was the 18, 19, 20, 24. So the police started. Looking for him <laughs> Are you sucking on a dick? Yes, always. Okay. Looking for him in Malta on the twenty second, and then on the twenty third, the German police flew out along with his dad to start looking for him as well. So it was the twenty before he was found so when he was found he was found in a mountain range and he was found dead and so the Maltese police were dealing with it but the German police also went to basically to see what was happening and the dad was advised not to go but after the German police left he drove out as well so when he got there they thought that he'd actually been dead for eight days at that point in time so Mike's body had started to decompose and obviously Malta's really really hot especially in July the level of decomposition meant that the dad couldn't actually identify whether it was Mike or not he was taken to a morgue in Malta and the police on the scene told the dad they said to him basically like I know this is awful, but at least you know that he died quickly. They said his spine was broken in two different places, and both of the places it was broken would have meant that he would have died immediately by either one of them. 
being opened up for the autopsy and being stitched back together, there were like there were no other wounds. They found it difficult, however, to carry a full autopsy because the Maltese mortician hadn't embalmed Mike's body. Now, yeah, when they contacted, yeah, when they contacted the Maltese mortician about this, he said that he had carried out embalming on mm, the body. Of course, but he hadn't. The other thing was when the morticians in America, sorry, in America and Germany opened him up to check like basically what had happened he had no internal organs so all of his internal organs had been removed now again when they contacted the maltese mortician about this and the maltese police about this they said yeah when they carried out the original autopsy he had no organs they just didn't think to mention this at the time that's absurd all of his internal organs including his brain must have been eaten by wild animals right okay very specific for obvious reasons his dad thinks he was murdered and that the Maltese police and government are for some reason trying to cover it up although his dad doesn't know what that is the Maltese police are insistent that that's not the case and that he died simply of the fall and then Mm. after the fall a tourist from another country broke into his hotel room stole all of his stuff and while that was going on animals ate all of his internal organs including his brain but in a way that in no way ruptured his body Wait, so if they ate his brain would they not have broken through his skull to do that or was you, his skull intact like you said he didn't find any wounds apart from that doesn't fucking make any sense what did they suck it out his nose yeah so because that didn't fucking happen that's why do you know what it was i do you know what i think it sounds similar to that case in greece where the um, girl was raped like gang raped it's fucking horrific yeah. and the police basically kept her there kept her in the police station until she just got so fed up that she ended up having to like write a confession that they dictated to her to get out and then they arrested her for lying and it sounds like to me like that's oh it was cyprus it wasn't greece forgive me greeks so it was in cyprus and they did that they say because they didn't want to impact the tourists like to put tourists off going there because there have been quite a lot of rapes in cyprus incidents like that and i think that in malta they were probably just trying to do the same thing there they didn't want a murder they didn't want a scandal in their country so let's just pretend let's just blame some random in the hotel for his stuff getting stolen and seems quite an elaborate way to cover that up yeah i think i think you might be right and that it was that obviously at first they tried to cover it up by just using the broken back thing and then the more the dad investigated they had to keep lying and lying yeah and it just got like beyond a joke because the lies get more and more ridiculous (laughs) yeah i mean just the the story they started out with was like, yeah, reasonable lie, but what they ended up with is just clearly complete nonsense. It doesn't even make any sense. And um, obviously, was that person that told him, oh, by the way, I would get that checked out because he hasn't actually got any like, you know, broken bones. Why did he not give him more information? Or maybe he didn't know. Maybe he was told, don't don't tell anyone or anything yeah, like that. But passed it on, and he knew that he had like, you know, seconds to pass. Uh, information on to him but if you've seen talking to him for a prolonged period of time yeah that, maybe in such uh, yeah i don't it's just it's a weird one like i don't know what i think actually happened to him but yeah clearly the maltese government are talking absolute rubbish i think um, it's a total cover-up they don't want um anyone finding out that there's a killer on their island 
to put off the tourists. I definitely think he was murdered. Was he there on his own, did you say? He was there yeah, on his own? he was there for four weeks. His girlfriend was there for the first two weeks. Right. happened near the end of the fourth week, so his girlfriend had been gone just over a week by the time it happened to him. I wonder if someone was watching him, because if he was there for that amount of time, then there must be someone who... Because if his wallet and stuff like that was taken, yeah. I think it must be someone linked to the hotel who knew his whereabouts. Something really yeah. weird about it, and unless they were linked in some way to someone, and maybe this is going out on a limb here, going a bit mental, but what if the guy, they knew who killed him, but he was linked to a politician or someone they didn't want to come out as a killer? I mean, possibly or linked to the police or... Yeah, it could be. Yeah, like... That seems a lot more likely than, again, the the weird, elaborate, clear lie that they ended up with. Mm. Like, just the it's idea that anyone would believe that is, is crazy. Yeah, the whole, yeah. like, his brain's gone, but his skull's still there. <laughs> and where's his GoPro? Like, that's total gaslighting, and it yeah. doesn't work. He, would Germany not... Was he, was he German? Did you get him confused, or was he American? Because you said he went to America, or was that a mistake? Oh, that was a mistake. He was German. I don't know why I said he went to America. Right. Okay. Scratch all that about him taking him to America. The Germans, right? So you'd think maybe the would the German police would try to get the con like you know what is it the equivalent of the Home Office in Germany yeah. involved with Malta to find out why they've covered that up. I don't know how pol- the politics kind of work. No, I don't really know how that would. Oh work either but like i get what you're saying i don't see why it's a german citizen that's been murdered in malta and leave it at that yeah and they've come up with all this bullshit it's a bit like you know when we mentioned that meredith in italy and amanda knox yeah she was technically charged with her murder for playing like it was some sort of kinky sex game or something and then they murdered her for some reason and then she basically got exonerated. Like they told her, "No, you can go now. We don't like. There's not enough evidence to say it was you." I don't think she got a full pardon or anything. But then she's completely sort of nobody talks about her anymore. I wonder what she's up to. Yeah. Or she might be a killer, and she's maybe killed other people, but we just don't know about it. You know. Yeah, I always thought that was an interesting one because I never really knew what I thought about it. Like, I feel awful for. Uh, that girl Meredith's family. Maybe character, yeah. yeah. The killer hasn't ever been brought to justice, but I don't know maybe, what she, the way maybe, that... Maybe they were brought up to justice, but then she's... I'm just saying it's her. But then she was... Because she was sort of like pretty and, I don't know, clever, she managed to get away with it. I don't, just She was so weird, or is so weird, that... Not that being weird makes you a murderer, but I just... <laughs> I don't know, she was just so like unfazed but mm. so in need of being on TV that it was really yeah. weird. It was like, I actually don't think she did kill her but I get why people think she did because just her reaction to everything and her obsession with being on television was just so strange. Like, You think if you were wrongly accused of like killing one of your friends in some sort of weird satanic sex game that you would you would have a really negative reaction to that i don't i don't understand how you could spin it into a positive it's so yeah just her entire response to everything that went on was just odd yeah, to say the least that's what makes me suspect her 
Yeah. They'd never find anyone else who does it. So I just think, yeah, it was probably her, but she managed to wriggle her way out of the charges because there wasn't enough evidence. But then, yeah. So there, there's not enough, like with that Dennis Nelson thing, like they said, well, he's saying he's killed all these people, but he could just be mental. He could just be, you know, mentally ill and yeah. someone else put those bodies there and he's just trying to claim it was him. And they were like, well, we can't leak any of this to the press because then that's going to impede our investigation because if it comes out that he actually didn't kill any of these people and we charge him for these murders before we've got any evidence or find any like these people's names, then that's going to make us look like fucking idiots and he'll get away with it. So they had to be like meticulous about all the stuff that like treat him really well and everything so that he'll start talking because he needed actual names. He didn't give any names of his victims. And he would he would I think he liked the attention. He liked talking yeah. about it. But you know, to give him to give him that power over the police, he would withhold the names so that he could continue talking to them and be in the centre of attention. The same thing great. happened with Fred West, where he wouldn't he would claim that he he would he couldn't remember certain things and along with the the Brady's Ian Brady like he never to this day told um where that wee guy uh one of his youngest victims I can't remember his name though they never found him um he would never tell the police where he was buried but he would always like sort of hint that he might torturing the poor guy's mum yeah exactly like that does all kind of tie in doesn't it because mm-hmm. if you look at other serial killers and the way they like court the media it's yeah yeah suspicious i mean and bundy was really like every every time like the fbi or whatever would come and ask him for help finding other serial killer he would get like his ego would be boosted and he would obviously like that's him in a position of power again and he thinks he's clever than everyone else, so that's like him and his element. They're very, very narcissistic, and they like to talk a lot about themselves, and that's why they often like to go back to the scenes of their crimes because they like to relive things. There's yeah. fucking sick people out there, basically. I just wonder how many other serial killers are out there that I'll never ever get caught, and that really fascinates me. Yeah, it really like, does. Like the whole Jack the Ripper thing. Nobody ever knew who he was. And I know I was back in the 19th century where there wasn't a lot of like forensic science and you know police work was a bit wasn't as advanced as it was now. But no one will ever know who that guy was, apart yeah. from maybe the victims, obviously. And I find that really chilling. Yeah, as freaky and like you say, it's perfectly possible that there's people out there doing that just now and we're just people or the police just aren't able to link it together. So... Or is it that there's not a lot of serial killers about anymore because it's all too easy to get caught these days because forensic science is so much better because it's so much easier to find evidence and DNA evidence and things like that and there's a lot more cameras about. That's why there was a lot more serial killers back before there was a lot of CCTV and and other things like that that you don't really tend to get them anymore. But then you I'm, think, I'm acting all nostalgic, like like all sad, like because there's no fucking oh, <laughs> serial true. killers anymore. The good old days where, where you had like David Berkowitz and that. But you think if you had the drive to do that, that or the compulsion to do that, you'd still have the compulsion to do it regardless. Yeah, that's true. There, there are definitely still serial killers out there. Um, 
and I think there always will be. That's the thing. Like there's oh, or even it doesn't even need to be a serial killer. It could just be the odd murder. You know, someone just randomly kills someone or kills someone deliberately, and is very clever about covering up their tracks. And people just disappear all the time. And some people nobody cares about them because they've got no family or they're just like you know rejects or people who are outcasts in society that people forget about. Yeah. Like Dennis Nelson targeted a lot of people, a lot of young men that ran away from home or went to London to try and find jobs or, or a lot of them were like drug users and things like that. So he would target those kind of people. Like he said, oh, well, if you if, if you treat someone with kindness and stuff, that they'll, they'll want to come back with you. So that's kind of his, his way of... Like murder rates or unsolved murder rates as well of like black trans sex workers, like the biggest killer of black trans women is murder and quite a lot of it especially with sex workers is unsolved that yeah, can that's easily true. be a yeah, serial killer or a series of serial killers but like you say they're targeting yeah, it is... that aren't looked after by society so maybe they're getting away with it yeah because i read i read in an article that there was like one of these series of serial killers that are out there like the victims that they found but never actually found a killer of and a lot of them were prostitutes that they'd found a lot of them were sex workers and these are people that people tend to just not care about as victims like jack the ripper victims like they were women who yeah they had problems but they came from impoverished backgrounds and they often had to like turn to prostitution just to fucking survive so it was horrible back then and they were particularly vulnerable to being murdered and i'm just what am i thinking now totally lost my train of thought fuck's sake so <laughs> yeah like just people who get forgotten about and it tends to be, oh yeah i was gonna think i was gonna say about the, the there was a lot of native american women in canada yeah. that were being killed and because there were native americans nobody they're ethnics like indigenous that's the word i was looking for because they're indigenous people nobody gives a shit nobody wants to investigate so it's like intraditional racism as well and prejudice like you say if it's trans people getting killed nobody tends to care and again with dennis nelson he was targeting like gay men so because of that i guess if there's a lot of like gay men young gay men like disappearing then nobody really gives a shit because you think they deserve it or something it's the whole shitness of society oh man yeah, but that's what we've just like ended on such a fucking downer man like <laughs> we just need to like cheat ourselves up a little bit so yeah i suppose it's difficult it's a difficult topic to try and like make fun of and laugh at because it yeah. really it really is shit and yeah well thanks jasmine for suggesting <laughs> For making us do such a horrible topic and then not actually joining in. <laughs> yeah, no, and then just leaving us to it. So, um, yeah, well, what are we going to do next week? Let's do something a bit, like, more crystal mythic. I would say I'm going to talk about the Dybbuk bot, which maybe I... a lot, not a lot of people know about. Yeah, I'm excited for you to talk about this because I don't know that much about it. I'm going to talk about Ouija boards because they're related-ish and, yeah. and I like Ouija boards. <laughs> they're both objects that are linked to spirits or demons in some way. Like, you're, how, uh, coming through, you're trapped inside. 
it's also how Satan and I keep in touch when he's away with work. Yeah, what you don't know is that Satan's been secretly contacted through a debit. Yeah. Together, he said it had to be an open relationship because. Yeah, I don't believe being an open relationship. I want exclusivity. Well, I hate to say, but never going to go exclusive with anyone. Oh, okay then, but. Yeah, I'll get him away from you. And then what are you going to do? Eh, uh, cut you. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, then I'll just go with Azrael, the seducer. He's much hotter. Well, okay. I mean, I kind of want both of them, but I suppose... You can't have both. You're not like... It's, it's, it's more difficult than Sophie's choice, isn't it? <laughs> oh my God, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, on that note... Bye. 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 Chris, so, man.